Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Would you like to get coffee? When somebody asks you that, you know what they mean. They're not suggesting literally that you might want to synchronize a trip to procure coffee. They're inviting you to talk. Maybe they want to talk about work or relationships, kids, parents, movies, music, sex, religion, politics, school. You could probably list another half dozen conversational topics you typically discuss when you get together with friends and family. And you wouldn't get to the subject of death. That's because death is a subject we Americans don't like to talk about. Yes, we know it's coming for all of us, but we seem to believe that if we employ a technique somewhere between outright denial and magical thinking, we'll deal with the death of our loved ones only when we really have to, when they die. And of course, someone else will take care of us when we die. Liz Dunnebeck says we can do better. Liz quit her job in the film business to dedicate herself to death. She founded and is executive director of a nonprofit organization called Wake. Wake is for people who would like help planning an orderly exit from this life when the day comes at some point in the future. And for people with zero planning who need help with a deceased person right now. Liz, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Of course, as Sigmund Freud kind of said, sometimes a cup of coffee is just a cup of coffee. Sometimes when you want a cup of coffee, you want a cup of coffee good, strong coffee that'll make you feel how you want to feel, and you don't need it delivered with a bunch of conversation. If, however, you would like especially strong coffee delivered directly to your home or work, Bryce Sandifer can help you. Bryce is co-founder of Riverboat Coffee Company. Riverboat cold brews coffee and delivers it to you in glass growlers, those glass containers usually used for craft beer, with a resealable top, or if you need a little more, They'll bring you a keg. Riverboat also has a retail location uptown on Magazine and Napoleon and a pedal-powered mobile coffee trike called the Caffeine Queen. Bryce Sandifer, welcome out to lunch. It's a pleasure. Liz, most of us make ourselves do things we don't really want to do. Go to the dentist, get a colonoscopy, work out three times a week, but we all do that to stay alive, which we're very focused on. I'm sure there's hardly a person listening to us right now who doesn't feel uncomfortable knowing that they're going to hear people discussing death. For those people who are about to quit listening, I'd like to take a shot at giving them one piece of valuable information to take away with them. So let's talk about something called the primary right of disposition. Apparently there are two legal systems, one for the living and another for the dead. When a person dies, it seems they pass from one legal system to the other. Uh, the vital link between this is a legal form called primary right of disposition, which I think it's fair to say most of us know nothing about. Could you give us a brief explanation about what the primary right of disposition is and, uh, and why it's important to know about? 
Yes, absolutely. So a right of disposition is sometimes um, part of an advanced directive or like the legal paperwork that people will get done with an estate lawyer. Um, it's the part that names a representative to make decisions about what happens to your body after you die, um, otherwise sometimes known as a healthcare proxy. Um, and many people will name a healthcare proxy if they have to be hospitalized, like if they're getting surgery. So hospitals or medical settings will help with this. Um, and this paperwork is um, actually a type of a power of attorney, a medical power of attorney. And what no one realizes is that all powers of attorney expire at the time of death. So you might have had somebody making decisions for you all the way up through the end of your life, but the moment you expire, that paperwork is null and void. And so what happens is people arrive in the funeral home to make decisions about their loved one's body, and they're told, I'm sorry, you don't have this right. This right falls to the legal next of kin. So what we've done is we've just made a handy, we've pulled out this language and made a handy dandy kind of two page document that you can download from our website um, and you can get it notarized. And we also have legal clinics where you can get this kind of simple paperwork notarized for free. Bryce, there's a list of things New Orleans does well, along with food, music, cocktails, Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest. There's coffee. New Orleans was home to popular coffee houses literally hundreds of years before the rest of the country discovered Starbucks. And continuing into the 21st century, new coffee companies have come along and established themselves here. The good news about that is when you started Riverboat Coffee in 2018, you already had a sophisticated market. You didn't need to educate anyone about the product, but what you did need was to make a great coffee out of the gate and find a way to differentiate yourself from established coffee houses. You did that by doing something no other artisan coffee houses do, delivery. But the other side of a sophisticated market is people know what the product is worth and how much they're willing to pay for it. Once you add the cost of delivery to your coffee, are people prepared to pay enough of a premium for that to make it a viable business model, I mean, long-term? So the thing about our coffee is by producing it in bulk, in artisanal fashion, like small batches of 50-gallon tanks at a time, we can produce enough kegs to actually keep that cost significantly down while we are also the ones doing our own delivery. So it's something that's going out on a route around town every day to multiple restaurants, hotels, law offices, apartment complexes, like you name it, back to back to back to back. And it can be delivering them more than one keg at a time. So it's actually through the bulk production of this, we can keep the cost down to the point where it can be very affordable for people to put what you would think to be like an extremely high-end offering the, the, the real cost really often comes from having to source a kegerator for somebody sometimes versus really the price of the keg. So that's I, never been really an issue for us. When I hear that, I keep, the, the original market there, I keep thinking, you must have been clobbered during COVID. What did you do? Yeah, so that's a great point. For a company that started out with our primary goal of doing wholesale kegged coffee, we were really doing our first deliveries um, in August 2019. So we had about six months or so of runway there of, of selling exclusively to restaurants, really, uh, and offices. And, you know, <laughs> at some time next year, all of a sudden that became absolutely impossible to do anymore. Obviously, COVID 
Um, we could not make a single delivery to any of our customers at all. And we were forced to make a very quick decision of, are we just going to wrap things up? I mean, we hadn't been running for that long, but we'd had a tremendous success in bringing on accounts. Or are we going to re-examine you know, the process of what we do and how we can expand upon it? And funnily enough, COVID actually helped us get to the omni-channel company that we are now. We took our kegs and we found that we went around town and bought every single growler that we could find. We figured out how to make an easy online ordering platform and it took about two weeks, we were doing growler deliveries to people's doorsteps. Liz, the name of your company is Wake and Bryce is a company that makes highly caffeinated coffee. I, is it me or is a merger just inevitable here? It's obvious. It's obvious. <laughs> Liz, you're a not-for-profit um, death care company. And when you first got started, you did two things that were, I thought were very interesting. You started a board of directors, and then you also spoke to members of the death care community. Weren't you viewed as kind of some scary new competitor? Yeah, we have a, um, a necessary relationship with the funeral industry. By law, um, a, a body must be in the custody of a licensed funeral director from death until disposition happens. And so anything that you want done with your loved one has to happen through a licensed funeral director. So you'll be engaging the services of some funeral home if you want to have the privilege of having access to your loved one's body, whether it be in cremated remains or in a um, cemetery plot somewhere. And that's some sort of probably a state or federal law? Um, that is a state law, and it, yeah, Louisiana is actually one of the most restrictive states in the U.S. in terms of um, funeral home custody. Yeah, that's because our bodies float right to the top. That's a, probably a good rule. It's true, although everybody has to do lands, um, uh, sorry, land maintenance when you're dealing with a cemetery, even if you don't have such a high water table. But to your question, um, I think that I think there's a certain amount of um, wariness around people who are not licensed funeral directors doing any kind of work in the death care industry, and I definitely think I'm viewed a little bit with some suspicion. But um, I have some great relationships, and there's some wonderful people working in the industry that we work together. We collaborate a lot to help families. That's all I'm here to do. And a lot of what I consider sort of Wake's um, mandate is really to help with all of these other areas that a funeral home either doesn't normally assist with or that might charge a lot for that assistance. Now, Bryce, you went into a, a brick-and-mortar retail business for your company. Uh, is, that, is that to make money or is it just to get the name out? So that's part of the concept of our next path forward, really. We've gone through, this will be our third location of, of where we have been brewing coffee. We started out at a small commissary kitchen and then we went into the, the commissary kitchen that the, the Brennan's actually opened up on Orange Street and recently now have moved into the brick and mortar. And what we want to be able to do is to drive all channels of our business from that coffee shop. So yes, there's the coffee shop, but there's also a brewing facility in that. There's cold storage, all the growlers go out from there, all the kegs go out from there, all of our whole bean goes out from there. And of course, people can come in and enjoy a cup of coffee. So what we really, uh, you know, are, are doing now is proving out that concept that you can have multiple channels of the business that all operate from this one location and, and actually not even require a big footprint at all. Liz, I have to ask you because it's a business show, how are you making money? I mean, 
the nonprofit model is, you know, grants and um, individual and corporate contributions, and hopefully, if you're lucky, earned revenue. Um, we are definitely, we're early stages, we're just not even quite three years old as an organization, but we're definitely launching some earned revenue programs, and hopefully those will help to um, be another uh, leg in our fundraising strategy. Liz, I have to ask you, because I'm, I've been looking at the research for this show, and it just hits me that if things really went well for you, I think you would be overwhelmed, right? Yes, I mean, let's, um, I mean, if you look at the landscape around us, um, I hate to be morbid, but it's sort of my, <laughs> sort of my bailiwick. Um, boomers are coming in great numbers over the next 25 or 30 years. So we're your sweet spot? Well, I guess I would just say that it's a growth industry. Uh -oh. no. <laughs> Mine is bad, yours is worse. Okay. <laughs> It's true, and there's room for everybody. And I think another thing that that's driving um, are choices. Um, I think people want, um, I think this generation really wants something different at end of life than maybe what the conventional funeral industry has offered in the past. And so you can see that with this sort of emerging tech that's coming on the, on the market. You may or may not have heard of things like alkaline cremation, which is like water cremation. Alkaline hydrolysis is actually what it's called. Um, there's also natural organic reduction, which is human composting. Hmm. Oh. I serve on the board of an, uh, an organization called the Green Burial Council. And green burial is really nothing new. That's really just sort of natural burial the way we used to do it before, but without embalming and without underground cement liners and um, tombs, cement tombs. Okay, so hum human composting is turning a body into compost? Yep. Okay, all right, let's go over the price. You asked for it. I know, no, I'm, these are all my fault, actually. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking to Liz Dunnebach from the death care organization Wake and Bryce Sandifer from the coffee company that specializes in delivery, Riverboat Coffee. Bryce, let me ask you, you seem to be going in a lot of different directions, all with the same company, but a lot of different ideas. If we bring you back three years from now, what do you think it'll look like? Will it be more of a streamlined business? So that's a great question. I think from three years from now, it would kind of go back to what we were just discussing with the, the concept of having like a cold brew bar, which we've just opened on Magazine Street, and having a smaller footprint, but still being able to do all the things we want to do, like wholesale delivery of kegs, growlers door to door, um, or do we want to take that, that concept and build it out with additional smaller cold brew bars or go to a bigger facility like the one we're in right now, for example, Nolo Brewery? Because uh, at our core, that's what we're doing. We're a brewing company. We brew vast amounts of cold brew every day. So is, is that really the point where we would want to, it's really the two roads we'll have to look at and what we're figuring out at this point, the smaller footprint, the, the more retail store focus, or a big brewing facility where uh, we could you know, greatly expand the capacity at which we can make cold brew currently. I was going to think that this was overwhelming for you, but you come from an entrepreneurial family. Your, your sister has a company. Your dad is like a, a entrepreneurial folk hero in this town. So I assume you just just in the water or something, right? Uh, yeah, I guess I was trained by the old man since uh, a young age on uh, entrepreneurship. It's, it's always been fascinating to me. Uh, and yeah, Shelby's company as well. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, Liz, we mentioned there's a lot of um, rules involved in this, so I know you had to you had to 
jump through some hoops, but what made you think that there was a, a market here? Um, in fact, you know, use the term, there was a crazy need. What did you see that other people weren't seeing? That's a great question, because, you know, everybody thinks New Orleans, like this is, you know, the, we put the fun in funeral. <laughs> this is a, a town, a city of the dead. And um, certainly, this, you know, this region is really known for its cemeteries, um, for its death traditions, you know, second lines. And it's, a very, it's very visible here. Um, and I think that maybe lends to a misconception that there's, that we're rich in resources for those who are dealing with death, death and dying. And I would say we're, um, you know, as sort of strapped for those resources as any other city is, um, and in some cases, even more so. So there's um, a crisis of affordable burial in Louisiana, and a lot of families, just due to um, cultural preferences, really choose full body burial still. Um, and the city's cemeteries have been filled to overcapacity so for these, decades. So these public cemeteries, mm -hmm. and the only one that opened for new bodies is Holt, right? Correct. It's Well, no, there's all, all the cemeteries are open for new bodies, but the family would have had to have already bought a plot. Cemet um, Holt is the only cemetery that is open to selling new plots. Bryce, the other part, and I know you're a good business person, but I don't, I've never heard of you until we, we found you. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any marketing. Uh, what do you, is it on purpose or what are you thinking? Yeah, so we actually do all of our marketing uh, basically face-to-face. -face. Um, we, we like to have interactions with people. I mean, as we talked earlier, it's a cup of coffee. It's a way to have a conversation with somebody. And for several years, um, you know, that was how it was done, either through events with the Caffeine Queen, like we were talking about, was a <laughs> great way to, to get out in front of the people. Tricycle. Yes, yeah. um, the Crescent City Farmers Market, which we attend. Uh, and then now, thankfully, the coffee shop, uh, which is which is a great way for us to meet new folks. But, uh, you know, it's also one of those things where word of mouth, um, like customer service and, and quick care, which we pride ourselves in, I'd say about half of our of our wholesale sales, at least, are from people that come to us. So uh, I'm sure the marketing budget is something that will get attended to at some point, but we've been pretty satisfied with the way we've been able to do things up to this point. Now, Liz, a big part of your market, from what I've read, is uh, people that can't afford a traditional burial, and then also the LGBTQ community. Um, I understand the first one. What is the the LGBTQ community, is this because of the um, that disposition law? Exactly. Um, I think, as you might imagine, um, a lot of people are surprised when they arrive at the funeral home and find that they can't make arrangements for their loved one because they're not the legal next of kin. But that's um, particularly um, apropos for the LGBTQ community because their life partner, for example, they may not be legally married to. Um, and also, there's maybe a greater um, incidence of people being estranged from their family of origin. And we've heard reports of, um, you know, legal next of kin being an estranged family member who swoops in in the 11th hour and wants, you know, let's say full Catholic rights for their dead son when um, the entire community of that person is sort of left out. And Bryce, when I look at your company, I'm trying to think of what it looked like in the very beginning. You had to say to yourself, there's a ton of coffee places. How can I break in? Is that where the delivery is, came from? Is that where the highly uh, caffeinated coffee came from? How did you think you were going to break in? Yeah, so 
our break-in point was, one, we wanted to be able to deliver coffee in a keg, and two, our other introduction into the market was doing nitro coffee, nitro cold brew coffee in particular, um, which has been a, one of the faster growing segments of the coffee market over the past few years. And that is essentially where you are taking cold brew um, and infusing enough nitrogen in it to make it almost carbonated. So it will foam bubbles. It'll look like you poured uh, basically like a stout beer, a Guinness. It, they look almost identical. Um, and it's a very uh, technical and complicated process to do. Uh, and we do have my uh, co-founder, Brady Horn, on staff as an engineer, which is how we're able to do things like make nitro coffee for people or build our own little coffee tricycle. So that was definitely a great market differentiator for us because really the only people offering that would be like the Starbucks of the world. And of course, you, you put together the tricycle, is that your? Brady built that all himself, yes. He's very proud of it. He, he builds us stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what interests me, Liz, is that, and there's a couple of places in healthcare like this, healthcare, death cares, like in hospice, there's for-profit hospice and non-profit hospice. Can this, can yours coexist? I guess that would be the, the first thing. Uh, is it two completely different spheres? And one of the things I'd like to ask you about is pricing. Um, you know, a can of peas sort of costs the same thing in all the different groceries, but that's not the case here, is it? Correct. Um, and I, just to be clear, like what we, what Wake does is not exact, is not hospice, um, and it's not um, funeral services or funeral arrangements. That's done by hospice or by the um, funeral homes, and. In both of those cases, um, you have this kind of um, movement where conglomerates are kind of eating up smaller mom and pop businesses, um, and that is not to the benefit of the consumer. Um, and also, you can really pay a wide range for the exact same service in the exact same region. So you can pay a difference of, I think, $2,500 for, let's say, a direct cremation in Orleans Parish. Um, just depending on which funeral home you go to. And what would be the top end? So you say 2,500 at the low end? No, no, you oh. can pay a difference of 2,500. So I think the low end is 1,200 or 1,300, and the top end is, I can't remember offhand, but it's over 3,000. When they give you three caskets, you always order the one in the middle, right? Uh, I always advise people to go to the one on the bottom, okay. because why not? You should spend your money on <laughs> some other way to commemorate your loved one, especially because caskets, I mean, unless you're getting a solid wood casket, it's not gonna biodegrade. That's, that's true. They, uh, and some, sometimes you're putting people with, let's see, just the body wrapped in like burlap in a field. Do I have that right? I wish we could do that here. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this, that in Louisiana, you have to actually casket a body to put it in the ground. Um, and I know in the green burial movement, they're very pro using shrouds instead of caskets. Um, and, he, and some, for example, for the traditional Jewish burials and traditional Muslim burials, they shroud bodies as well. But I'm pretty sure they have to then be casketed before they're buried. Bryce, I know what people are thinking, which is what I was thinking when we started this out. Are people that lazy to, to have coffee <laughs> delivered to them? Or is it because it's on an institutional basis that I'm not looking at this right? No, I don't think they're lazy. I think it kind of speaks to the to what's happened over the past few years with, you know, we wouldn't have been delivering door to door 
for, for the growlers if it was not for COVID. And as much as Brady had actually been bothering us all about starting that up, we hadn't done it yet and our hand was forced. Um, and what we found is as you know, COVID unwound and people started going back to work, um, you know, the work at home movement exploded. And I would say that our primary at home delivery are to people that are at home working or to moms that are home that don't have enough time to run to the coffee shop. Uh, and it's there as like a reliable, uh, like you, they can get it between every week to every four weeks is how the deliveries work, um, to just be dropped off and make sure you always have your, your, cu your cup of coffee. It's about eight cups of coffee in each growler that you would get from a, gro uh, from a coffee shop equivalent. Is it, um, when you describe it, is it kind of like a subscription service? It is a subscription service, and you can actually also just order it one off. It's either way. Um, what we really like to do as far as how we present that, this part of our uh, offering to everybody is that the pricing is actually based around us being able to get back the materials. We've actually uh, baked into account, you know, we're going to be able to reuse this so many times. Um, and pick it up from people on our next trip out to them. So certainly our subscriptions are preferred method that way because it's guaranteed for us to get it back every time. And Liz, last question for you is that you're not-for-profit. People can donate to you and get a tax write-off. Who's donating? Is it individuals or is it organizations? Or Yeah, I would say, um, you know, starting an organization from ground zero, really bootstrapping in that way, you kind of do rely on those individual donations because there's no foundation that's going to give you a grant until you've had a little bit of a track record. Um, and so for those first years, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be here without those donations from individuals who just believed in what we were doing and felt that there was a need for more resources for everybody and, you know, to try to help our society confront death and dying. In our pursuit of happiness, there's definitely something to be said for the popular opinion that we should live in the moment. But whether that moment is as momentous as the death of someone we care for or simply waking up in the morning and wanting a cup of coffee, it's good to have a plan. Liz and Bryce, on the face of it, there might not seem to be much in common between a for-profit craft coffee company and a not-profit death care organization, but you're both in the business of encouraging people to think ahead and improve their own well-being and happiness. Congratulations on both of your achievements to date. I look forward to keeping up with you and following your continued success. Thank you both, Liz and Bryce, for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for Thank having you. me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Liz Dunnaback, founder and executive director of Wake, and Bryce Sandifer, the co-founder of Riverboat Coffee. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation, find out more about Liz's death care and Bryce's coffee by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic Cantos New York Style City Pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.